Hey there, my name is Mark McCartney and welcome to the What is a Good Life podcast. Over the last two years, I've interviewed over 150 people around this question, not to provide you with the universal answer, but to help you to find and define your own answer to this question. On the 30th episode of the What is a Good Life podcast, I'm excited to be joined by Lynn Cassie-Jen. Cassie is a friend of mine who took a leap of faith and quit her job as a design lead in tech without establishing what was coming next to create space for what would unfold organically. She's currently writing a book as well as producing a podcast called Being Awareness on the topic of mindfulness and inner transmutation. In this episode, Cassie shares her evolution from a relentless pursuit of productivity and life hacks to a deeper exploration of mindfulness and connection and the shift from trying to control life to placing trust in herself and embracing the unknown. We delve into her methods for creating greater trust and courage, which led her to quit her previous role without a firm next step. Additionally, we discuss the profound influence that nature has had on helping her feel more connected to the world around her. If you're feeling stuck in life, if repeatedly leaning into productivity is not creating the life that you want, if you're feeling disconnected from yourself and knowing what you want in life, this episode will provide you with plenty to contemplate and inspiration for stepping into the unknown. Cassie is someone whose life I've seen change quite significantly in the last number of years, both in her sense of being and in the actions that she's taking in life. So I knew that there'd be a lot to take from this conversation and I'm sure there will be for you too. And if you enjoy this conversation, please like, share and subscribe. And if you're on the podcasting platforms, please leave a review as I'd greatly appreciate your support at this stage of my podcasting journey. And so without further ado, the 30th episode of the What is a Good Life podcast. Cassie, thank you very, very much for joining me on the What is a Good Life podcast today. As I mentioned to you in our little pre-chat there, I don't know where this conversation is going to go, but I'm very intrigued as to how it will go. So thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Mark. It's always a pleasure talking to you. <laughs> so Cassie, as I tend to start these conversations off, uh, it's with the question of, is there a question you're trying to answer as you move through life? Oof. That's really it's typically tough the one. response I get. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, the, I think the question I'm asking myself is always changing. Maybe right now it could be the question of what is what is my purpose, perhaps, and that is a uh, something that's continuously changing. And at, at some point, I found that to be a little bit kind of difficult to grasp because you know I had this kind of like belief system that there should be one thing that I'm supposed to be doing, or there is one purpose that I'm supposed to have. But um, as I'm going along with this journey, I'm just realizing that that's probably not the case. You know, something that is purposeful to me now, it was probably not super purposeful, like, I don't know, a couple of years ago. And also a few years down the line, who knows what's going to change. So, yeah, I guess the, the question with purpose is kind of prevalent in my life right now. <laughs> and where is your answer to that? Where is that presently residing? Hmm. I think, you know, looking back um, at my life, I really feel like most of my purpose has been kind of defined for me externally. At least that's like what I kind of believed um, for a long time. And through, you know, as both of us know about, you know, my journey in the past number of years, that has dramatically changed over time as I got to know myself better. And started to remove a lot of the, now I come to understand as conditionings that um, I've accumulated over the years. Um, and right now I'm in this really interesting place where I, I'm kind of like solely relying on myself. And I guess my connection with the world and the universe to help me figure out what that purpose is. And it's no longer reliant on like an external source of authority to tell me, hey, Cassie, you know, like you're only validated or you're only living your purpose if you were a design manager, for example. Um, so that's really quite an interesting space to be in is to just let go and just let whatever's supposed to show up, show up. Cassie, look, I know from when we met, uh, Cassie and I, for those listening, met in, the, in our coaching training and I've I've been admiring your process from the outside, as I've mentioned to you before. You know, when we first started that process, you know, you you know, you seem to have a, a tighter hold on life, or you know, like I think a lot of people do. And you know, as you're kind of saying, like viewing the world through this 
external impression of yourself. I'm just really intrigued for you to, if you could even chart it a little bit of, of how you perceive your own journey over the last few years to the point where you've given an answer just like that in terms of my my purpose is no longer defined in, in, in the way you just described. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Like I, I remember those uh, first days when we met in our training. And I think that was also a really interesting time in my life because so many things were changing um, around that time. And I think just a few months before we met, um, I came to realize that there was a giant divide between the persona that I was projecting onto the world. So basically this person that I have learned to create over the years as somebody that I thought would bring me success in a working environment and how I really felt on the inside. And there was this growing gap between the two sides of myself. And I really felt like if I didn't do anything about it, something was going to snap and it was not going to yeah. be pretty. Um, yeah. Can you, can you, yeah, like, cause that's, um, that resonates a lot with my experience. And, I, and I'd even say from my experience, it was even in, in relationships where that persona and gap existed, like confident projection, insecure lunatic inside. <laughs> do, you, do you know what I mean? And, and, uh, and this, the way you described snap there, I think is, is ultimately what drove me to, to further kind of investigations. What was that? What was that feeling like almost in, in terms of like generating an awareness of the idea that there's a gap between how I feel and the persona that I'm creating and it seems to be getting me validation? Do, do, do you know what I mean? Wow. Um, <laughs> so looking back from where I am today, it's, you know, I can, I'm going to try to empathize with myself as much as possible because I can imagine like from my perspective of looking at the world back then, it probably looked a lot different than what I'm seeing it now. Um, but looking back, I remember it felt both terrifying and the, at the same time, it really felt like, one, I wasted a lot of time chasing something that didn't make me happy. And two, I had no idea what was going to come of this work, whatever I was doing with that um, bridging of the gap between, let's say, the, the external persona that I was portraying and also what I was feeling on the inside. And also because it was so out of touch with who I was on the inside I, I absolutely had no idea. This was like the the world of the unknown that I was stepping into gradually. I was no like I was no stranger to um, therapeutic work. Back then, I was already working with a psychotherapist for a long time previously, um, and we did a lot of explorations. Um, but this particular relationship between myself and myself internal and external was something that was never explored before because what we were exploring before was how to, because I was relating, like I was so attached to my external persona, that persona, what was, was uh, what we were working on. Right. Yeah. That's uh man. We're, <laughs> we're complicated, aren't we? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> So then just as you, as you've moved through the last few years, Cassie, like what, just out of interest, like what has enabled you to even make some of the choices that you've made over career direction or what to prioritize? Like what has helped you, what has helped you, what has been most almost effective in helping you bridge the gap between the personas, shall we say? I think my persona itself has learned to step aside almost. I think that itself, like the, the kind of like the duality of having a, an external persona and also a completely unknown part of myself on the inside, this duality was changing over time as I was doing this work. And gradually what I found was that my external persona, which at one point was pretty much my ego, um, it started to morph and it started to loosen its hold on me. Hmm. And I started to understand the reason why my ego or my persona was 
holding on so tight to control. Um, it was like a defense mechanism. It was trying to protect myself. And this is how I learned to defend myself over the years. Um, and also through that defensiveness, it gave me a lot of edge in my, in my work. Um, because, you know, I had a career as a designer at some point and salesmanship or saleswomanship was a, a big deal in that kind of job. And eventually moving into a, a management role, having to um, work with um, higher up stakeholders and other stakeholders um, who are also having management or leadership positions, that kind of um, authoritative way of approaching things came in very handy. So gradually it became kind of like a loosening of that part of myself and a getting to know of who I really am on the inside. And I think this shifting of uh, relation, relating, relating to both of these personalities or personas, you know, that gave me some kind of confidence in my choices because I really think, I really feel that the ego or the external persona was acting in a way of feeling like it had to, it had to do things a certain way because this is what she learned that society expected of her, not just society, but family and so on and so forth. Um, and actually, I, I did not really know what I really wanted and who I really was. So by letting loose of that grip onto the external persona or the ego and letting the inner self have more space, gradually this process allowed my inner self to look at my life and evaluate it from a place of authenticity, I would say. I love this idea of um, giving ourselves space. Um, you know, I think often when we're talking about understanding things it's usually about doing more reading more um and of course that can be part of the process uh, but how how did you develop the capacity almost to give yourself a little bit more space <laughs> so hard um i remember <laughs> wow it, you know at some point um i had a full-time job i had one to three um, side projects going at the same time and I ran a boot camp. <laughs> so that right. was my life. And like, I was so afraid of not doing enough with my time and not maximizing. I was a productivity person and I was like, oh yeah. my God, I want to know all the productivity hacks. I want to know how to like best organize my life so that I can get more done. But I actually had no idea why I was doing what I was doing. Yeah. Yeah. That's quite a, that's quite an understandable kind of thing to fall into though, right? Like yeah. that, that's what we're, that's what we're glorifying. In terms then of you, you have this set up this very hectic life, then multiple projects, full-time job, boot camp, productivity, productivity, productivity. How do you, how do you begin to, to create the space? I remember, um, our first coaching, uh, class actually that one demo session the teacher and I did together. And I think that was actually one of the turning points because like that session, um, I was talking to him about wanting to be more creative in my life because I right. used to draw, I used to paint, I used to do a lot of um, creative projects for myself, but, um, but I found myself having a, a dry spell for 10 years. And that's like not a short amount of time. I just couldn't bring myself to want to create anything. And everything that I was doing, it felt forced or whatever was coming through, it felt stiff. So I wasn't in a place of mind where I was able to just freely channel creativity and let things flow. So I remember that session with our teacher and, um, and he was asking me, what did I really want? Um, and I remember, you know, sort of feeling super frustrated with the fact that I couldn't, I couldn't be creative. And it was this right. judgment of like, why can't I do this? I'm supposed to be able to do this. I want to do this, but I just can't do it. Um, and then I said to him, I said, I said, you know, it's not like I can just 
schedule creative creativity in my calendar. And every Tuesday, I'm going to be creative for an hour at 7 p.m. And gradually through that exploration, I actually came to realize that I just want to relax. I just want to be. It's not about doing anymore. It's actually what I deeply, deeply, deeply wanted was to just let go of this pressure. <laughs> A pressure of expecting myself to be creative and to turn some stuff out. And also the pressure of like judging myself for not fulfilling a certain kind of um, expectations that I may have had for me. So I remember that was like a moment of relief almost. Like all of a sudden I was like, oh my goodness, it's actually not about doing, it's about being. And I have not allowed myself to be for the longest time in my life. And then what was miraculous was that literally like a few days after that conversation and realization, I was uh, painting. I created three different paintings in two days, and it was just like coming and coming and coming. It couldn't be stopped. So that was like the first glimmer into what this really was about. Yeah, that's... Um, I don't know, there, there's something really... The more I talk to people, the more I kind of get like the sense that the the answer is in this is in simplicity rather than the complexity that we're we're seeking uh, and i think a, a big unraveling of this complexity is returning to ourselves you know like the stories we have to tell ourselves are so complicated when we're dealing with almost multiple personalities or personas and i i don't know from there it seems for you this realization of like, oh, I'm, I've got even just the, the awareness that this other persona is being created, even that, because I don't believe in any of this absolute, you know, I still have an external persona and, you know, I'm constantly trying to bridge a gap between myself and, and, and whatever else or understand more about myself. But that there's still like, even just that offers a little bit of space that can open up just a little bit of freedom to, to as you say, just to exist, to be. Totally. In terms then, Cassie, of like how how has life been evolving for you since then in terms of, you know, I, I know you you left your previous role and I was I, I think I think we talked about it earlier this year, but how did you get to the point where, you know, you mentioned this idea of holding on control, afraid of the unknown. I remember reading a, a post of yours on LinkedIn when you handed in your or when you finished up your last job, and I was like, "Man, that's that that's courageous!" Like, or, you know, just saying, "I don't know where this is going exactly, but it's time for time for a change." How how did you come to to progressing to to that point in in embracing and engaging with the unknown? Uh, that took almost a year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I actually, there, I remember last year around this, wait, earlier, yeah, last year around March, um, a number of colleagues were quitting, including one of my team members. And I actually thought that she was being really courageous because she was not going anywhere. She just handed in her notice and said, I'm good. I'm just going to take a little bit of time and then figure it out. And I was like, whoa. Yeah. Good for you. That's amazing. And then that got my, my gears turning. And a friend of mine at work was also doing the same thing. So she was like, okay, I'm, I'm good. I'm going to take a break. And then I'm going to see what, what's to happen. And I thought to myself, like, wait a minute. What am I actually afraid of? So instead of just pulling the trigger and say, hey, you know, I'm also going to quit. Um, I actually went into a six-months-long exploration of what this is really about what are the feelings and fears that are behind this and if i were to quit how would i do it so there was like quite a bit of planning in that but at the same time also just like okay with being able to face the unknown when i actually do it because you know when i actually jump i don't know what's going to happen next and so what a, just be, because I guess this is such a, 
this is such a, like it's become far more of a theme right now these days. Like, and it's almost like there's a contradiction going on. There's a, you know, the economy or the the market at times, it doesn't look great. And yet there's also people leaving their roles. And I know COVID and the lockdowns and all that uh, played a big part in people reflecting on their lives and, and maybe prioritizing different things. But if you, if you don't mind uh, sharing, like what was your process like in terms of, okay, I see these people, they make these decisions, I think it's courageous, or I admire, you know, there's a certain degree of admiration. What was your sense of uh, exploration, even in what are these fears? What's the feeling behind this? What is this about? Yeah. So it was actually a lot of reflection together with a number of different coaches, and also on my own. Um, And through that exploration, I started to pick apart the fear, because at the beginning, it was just a feeling of fear. It was just like this looming feeling that's like very intangible. It didn't really have any clarity as to what are the components that made up this big thing that seemed to be a monster. Um, And as I started to explore this further, I started to realize that a lot of that was actually fears that I picked up from my parents. And I started to notice when certain kinds of fears show up, I can almost hear my mother's voice. Oh, wow. And certain other ones, I can hear my dad's voice. Yeah. It was fascinating. And so you, you start to kind of examine the landscape. You start to see, even trace back where some of these things are coming from. And then what is this? Like, is there is there a moment? Are there things... Are there kind of projects that are formulating your head or, or even creative ideas formulating? Like what, what allows you then to go, okay, yes, there's fear present, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to step into the unknown. Last year, I was also working with a group of women and the exploration was on working with the feminine energies, um, basically meaning like what are the feminine qualities and, um, and those actually um, are the qualities of the unknown, of the qualities of a nonlinear approach to life and the quality of letting go, the quality of creating space, the quality of allowing something new to be created within the space. So I think this was very helpful as well in yeah. adding to my understanding of what, how to approach the world. Because before, I must say that I had a pretty linear way of thinking about life and thinking about what I'm supposed to be doing, how is my life supposed to be. It was like point A to point B, I'm always going this way. Yeah. Um, whereas in reality, I don't think that's, that's true. And the different side of that perspective was completely missing, like this more feminine way of looking at the world and looking at life. So that actually was helpful. Yeah. I pause there for a second. <laughs> <laughs> is there, you, you know, like I've been, I've been, I'm really intrigued by the idea of people when, and it, obviously it, it resonates with my own experience of when I quit my job and people were like, what are you doing now? And I, I probably said it in a bit of a, a bit of an obnoxious way of like, oh, I'm creating the the space or the stillness for an answer to appear. Um, you know, I was, I was probably hamming that up a bit, but it was that was the intention. Just consider considering you you kind of went with a similar perspective of trying to just let space and and let things evolve or let things emerge. How have you found that process of like almost adopting a, like a new like lens through looking looking through the world at? Mm. Um, in some ways, it came very naturally because I feel it's time for this to happen. But sometimes it was actually terrifying because yeah. like the unknown can be terrifying, <laughs> um, especially after living for so many years of knowing exactly what I wanted to do or exactly what I'm supposed to be doing or exactly how my life is supposed to be. This is not that. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I remember a moment in the beginning of this year when 
I guess like my contract literally finished on December 31st last year. So I technically I was still employed until then, but come January 1st, I was unemployed. And that was a moment of truth. So right. when that day rolled around, I was like, wow, okay, so I really am on my own now. I really have space now. I really have nothing else telling me what to do and what my purpose is. I had got nothing. And also I got no external feedback and validation that I used to get at work. Right. Nothing. And it was uh, several moments of terror, for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know what's amazing? Like uh, I spent, uh, when I went back to do my last role in, in finance, I spent like most of my time telling everyone, this isn't for me anymore. I'm into all this stuff with meditation and journaling and all this um, and this is where my the direction my life is going in. And when I no longer had that role to call myself, like when people would ask me, so what do you do? And I didn't just say, like, you know, have something to say, like business development and helping companies raise money or or, or something like this. Man, I, I felt so awkward in describing to people what I, what I was doing, even though I, I, I knew wholeheartedly I was bought into the idea of, of why I was leaving and, 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 and it was thought through, even though I made maybe a bit more of a rash decision, but I've been thinking about it for a while. It, I, I just find that amazing. Like the, it's almost like a security blanket is taken away. Yeah. In a sense, I mean, for me, at least the security blanket was, was almost like this fictional belief of being part of something and being given a purpose by being part of something. And that was taken away. Yeah. Yeah. Which I found to be very interesting because yeah. I, when I was part of it, I didn't really understand, I think, the prevalence of, of that belonging, even though it was not something that I outwardly or inwardly really wanted to belong to, you know, a startup company in, in the tech business. However, yeah. that still gave me a certain sense of belonging and a certain sense of purpose that was that was something that I didn't need to think twice about. I've uh, I've through the course of the interviews that I did, I chatted with some people that were retired, and I'm not I'm not saying leaving a role is the, the equivalent of being retired or something like that. But I I was really struck sometimes by people just saying even if they were really looking forward to leaving a role, how the removal of a block of time in their day where they just had to be somewhere. Mm. And for myself too, like when I was in, uh, when I was in Peru for the year after I left a, a role, like I was kind of thinking like, oh, wow, like however much every day dedicated to a certain role, it's, it removes all that time you have for thinking or yeah. reflecting or like, sitting with your own discomfort at times mm -hmm. <laughs> do, you, do you know what I mean mm -hmm. like it, it's I, I get the sense that I think a lot of people will be in for a rude awakening when they when they finally let go of their roles oh yeah definitely <laughs> <laughs> yeah and also realize you know even though technically speaking my job was uh I guess 40 hours per week I don't think it took 40 hours a week of my mental capacity because as long as that job was with me, it was occupying mental space. Yeah. And it's beyond the 40 hours, which I work for the company. Oh, completely. It, it wasn't until the day that I stopped, you know, I lost my access to, to my emails and everything that I started to realize, oh my goodness, now I can actually let go of this thing. Yeah. And face whatever else is there that's, uh, you know, could be both terrific or terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> what's, uh, what's been terrific, Cassie? <laughs> uh, ter what's been terrific is also the part that was terrifying, is right. that utter freedom, taking responsibility for my time. Yeah. Yeah. That's... Um... It's funny you say that in my experience as well, I definitely felt like I had this expression running through my head of people think they really want freedom and, until they get freedom. And 
you know, to me, that was just like, there was a, a huge sense of, oh my God, this is amazing. I have all this, I can decide everything. But without the container, the um, an imposed container from somebody else, it also felt quite like, I don't know, just hugely vast or even a little intimidating in ways as well. Yeah. You know, this actually reminds me of um, myself when I was around 21 or 22. Um, actually, yeah, right after I finished university and started working and I realized I had so much more time now, you know, even though um, I had a full-time job, I still had all the evenings to myself and the weekends, which I didn't have previously. And I was like, oh my God, now I have all the time in the world to do printmaking, to do painting, to do sewing, to do, you know, etching, whatever, whatever I wanted to do. But I had, uh, I had, and then I came, I came to experience paralysis because there were so many choices. Right. I actually end up doing nothing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I forget the gentleman's name that I was uh, that I was watching a video on choice making though, but that's something that is you know in this day and age with all these choices we have. Even if you go to a coffee shop, there's almost you know and you've got like twenty choices of coffees as opposed to just filter coffee. He was saying that uh, in all the choices we make, we know all the choices. There's a larger amount of choices that we didn't make, mm. so it almost leads to either a complete dissatisfaction with the choice or, or no choice being made at all. In terms, Cassie, then of just what is what has emerged that in your life um, after making this choice that you would have been completely surprised at, with or about a few years ago? Like what what's been emerging for you in the time that you've given yourself this space? I think it's gradually learning to trust, um, trusting myself, and trusting. I guess if you want to go a little more esoteric. Trusting that yes, you know, the, the, yeah, okay. <laughs> Trusting that the universe is um, is participatory. So right. I participate, and there is actually a feedback there. So I think for a long time, I really believed in a world where I had to hustle and hustle hard, and if I didn't do that, I'm going to lose. And this right. was the story that I kept on telling myself, which created this kind of perpetual kind of motion of uh, striving. But now I think I'm just continuously being in the space of like, okay, I am being true to myself. And this is, I'm speaking kind of emotionally and energetically and psychologically, constantly checking in with myself to see, am I on track? And I don't mean, am I, I don't mean, am I on track for hitting my goals or am I on track for writing my book, but am I on track in being true to my own values. Yeah, I, I think this, I think we pay such lip service to the idea of values, you, you know, and and we just kind of think that we pick these things off a list and, and then that's it. But I, I don't know, I think that there's, when we fully embody those, like, you know, and even I love the idea sometimes if we don't know what our own values are, even just to see what, what we admire in other people. Mm. And even if you think of the example there of you seeing a couple of people hand in their their notice, um, and not to say handing in your notice is a value of yours, but, you know, just seeing what you 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 admire in the outer, outside of yourself as a way of guiding our, our own choices as well. Just so when you, you mentioned the idea of even even writing a book, like how is how has that process even uh, emerged for you? Like what 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 have been? Has this always been something you would have liked to do? You said before you were very creative for a long time and you had this drought of creativity, but how how has that emerged for you? Hmm. It's one of those things that there's a very strong drive and I always almost want to say a voice inside of me that just tells me to just do it get it out, get it out, get it out. It's been nagging at me for a long time, like for um, for the past number of months. And it got stronger and stronger and stronger. And I started to actually write um, around March 21st this year. So that was the day after spring equinox, um, you know, right for, for projects to get started. And that has been, a, I want to say, like a interesting experience so far because old me would just power through, just get things done, get things done, get things done. Why are you not doing this? Uh, and, and being judgmental or upset for not making better progress. And I think this time around, it was interesting to see 
if I just allowed myself to feel the process itself and let whatever wants to come out, come out at the appropriate time, what would happen? So for a period of three, four weeks um, since the 21st of March, things have been flowing very, very well. I wrote 13 chapters in that time. Um, However, after that, circumstances shifted. I was busy with um, helping my parents with some stuff and also traveling from Canada between Canada and and Berlin um, has been different. And, um, And this time, it didn't feel like the right time to continue that project. And therefore, I put it on hold for for a period of time. However, that being said, just because I'm not actively writing, it doesn't necessarily mean I'm not with the project. So I think things are churning in the background. Um, I started to have other ideas about how to structure the book itself. Um, During this break, um, I actually had a realization that perhaps the initial structure of two sections was not the right approach. Perhaps three sections would be the better approach. And I had these ideas of how could that work and how would that flow differently than the original uh, setup. And also some other interesting concepts and ideas came through during that break time. And I think that's interesting to be in the cycle of like doing and stopping to let things gestate for a period of time. And then going back to the creative process externally again. So it's this external, internal, external, internal kind of rotation between the two two ways of creating, um, which I find to be actually fascinating because I didn't think about creative creativity or the creative process as being that before. How, how would you view it before? <clears throat> before, I think he was, you know what? Even if it was similar, I don't think I had a very clear understanding of the two components to creativity. I remember in my uh, creative projects, I did spend a lot of time thinking things through. So I would think through a creative project, churn through all these ideas in my mind. And when I feel like, okay, that feels right, and I would put it down into reality, you know, come from here to, to, to here. Yeah. Um, so this is actually kind of similar, but this time I think I'm approaching it with more intention and awareness. Before I was simply doing it. And now I'm both doing it and also stepping back to see it from almost like an observer's perspective and understanding, okay, this is what I'm actually doing. This is the process itself. Now I'm going to go back into the process and this kind of constant zooming in and out, watching and doing at the same time. It sounds, uh, I don't know, it sounds very like intuitive or, or flowy. Like I, I'm, I'm assuming if I, if I lob a few self projections in your direction, that there's some, <laughs> there can still be frustration within this process or the mind can still get involved and, and say, yeah, but what is actually happening? But it sounds like you're, you're operating just on a, on a deeper level of, of trust or, it sounds like you're involved in the flow of it, not even just being in flow, if you get me. Mm, okay. Yeah, I think I, I think I get what you're saying. Um, however, it doesn't mean the mind doesn't get in the way. <laughs> this is kind of a fun practice of uh, recognizing when the mind is getting in the way, and which actually in itself is a really good opportunity to practice zooming out again. It's just yeah. yesterday my mind was saying, oh my God, have you lost all of your skills what is this crap Um, (laughs) it's it's not like that doesn't happen (laughs) yeah in in terms then uh, you know the last time the last time we met you were talking about even just a a a trip to canada and and being out in in almost like the in the northern part of canada and the wilderness almost like the just the the sheer vastness of you know of uh of northern canada and and the in in minus whatever 40 degrees temperatures and and so forth like just you know when i was just mentioning there just the kind of movement or flow like it it seems like you're not only going through your own in, internal process of okay mindfulness awareness um observing things from a different perspective deconstructing 
ideas of who I thought I was and more of yourself showing up into this space um, as opposed to a very clear separation between external character and internal. But then also like an observation of nature as well. Like Mm. it it seems like there's like a quite a, you know, it's it's both an internal and an external process in, in what's affecting your your vibration or your flow through life. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Mm. Being um, in the environment makes a huge difference for sure. You know, like, actually, thank you for bringing that up. Like, um, I realized, you know, for the past three years or so, when I was doing so much inner work, it was really a deep dive. It was in here. And it wasn't much um, kind of like there wasn't much done in regards to much relating to the outer world because it was so focused on the internal. Um, But once I was ready to come back out again, I started to practice how do I want to relate to other people through the place that I find myself in now in the inner world. And I think this year is an expansion of that. So instead of in relationships of like one-to-one humans, um, I started to notice that relationship with the environment. So when I was in, uh, you know, this year I was in Nunavut in Iqaluit um, for a month. Now it's a long time to spend in Northern Canada, like at the 63rd parallel um, for that amount of time in March. So it's quite a challenging environment, but <clears throat> at the same time, I haven't felt more comfortable with myself and and my relationship with my environment. And I think that itself gave me a lot of inspiration and also a lot of freedom to focus on my writing. Um, Iqaluit, it's so small. There's virtually no distractions because there's just like nothing but nature. Yeah. Yeah. Has it like, has this, immersion in in nature has that been has that been was that always was that present in your life was that pulsing before or has that come more from in like an internal deep dive and then almost like a a feeling of connection with the outer world or or how would you kind of describe that i've always lived in cities of three million people never since i was born Right. Yeah. The first uh, 12 years was in China. So goodbye, nature. Um, And the second half, well, the the middle section was in uh, Canada, in Toronto, which was also no nature. Um, And then the last 11 years or so was in Berlin. Sure, there, there is nature, but it's not the vast kind of wilderness type of nature that I encountered in my trips to the north of Canada. Um, so I, I can't say that I felt a connection with nature for most of my life. Actually, it was the opposite. I felt a disconnect with nature. I didn't understand that humans are supposed to have a relationship with nature. And I didn't really understand the relationship between oneself and other beings in the, yeah. in the world. And actually, it also took a long time to, to kind of like step back and say, wait a minute, you know, why do we have this worldview of humans being separate from nature and uh, the environment? But very clearly that we're a big part of it. You know, we're all connected in one system. There's no separation between us human beings and everything else that we find in, in this, on this planet. Um, so that was the interesting realization to take with me to, uh, to the north of Canada. I see this frequently enough, and I think I've even experienced it with myself. Like the almost like when people go more inside of themselves, there is almost like a a deeper a deeper curiosity around what like about just the or a deeper sense of awe around nature and things that are I don't know that we haven't previously felt as as connected to. Mm. Like I, I know even from some of the photos that you were showing me of your trip, like there's just I, I don't know, there's just some stunning, you know, the, the complexity, like not the complexity, but even just the sheer awe or the sense of awe that some of these vast spaces or the the northern lights or, or like all these things that they that they can evoke. And 
but even just you know some of the vast spaces that you were inhabiting with like just nobody else around except you and your partner like for as far as the eye could see like i i don't know i think that there's something deeply connecting about those experiences with the world around us mm. like how how do you see this role of of nature how do you see that playing a a part in your continued explorations or or evolutions what you what you were saying there triggered something uh, thought for me um because i think i realized before i dive a dove really deeply into myself to understand what this was really about there was so much noise in my mind there was just like countless loops of stories playing over and over and i was obsessed with certain situations or certain things that i didn't have in my life or certain situations that i perceived as negative my mind was just it was just it was just noise in there it was not much space so it was so crowded with all of that stuff that was churning continuously <clears throat> there was actually no room for any connection at all and once that stuff was being cleared out understood and cleared out and i think gradually there became room for connection and it's both the connection with myself on the inside and also connection with you know what we see as an external world but really is there a difference <laughs> and i think like it slowly was gradually tapping into this realization that you know everything's actually connected and there's no separation between my consciousness and everyone else's or the collective consciousness or or the universal consciousness itself um and with that i think this was probably one of the turning points where I started to experience physical reality differently. And so this process Cassie like for you then in you know the sense of even saying that we're all connected, right? Like these things we we can't, like I think we know on some level but we continuously forget or we separate ourselves very quickly. Is that has that been, or is that like realization or feeling, whether that's like an immersion in yourself, an immersion in nature through your process? Do you think that contributes to your sense of like your trust increasing, your willingness to like the work? Like I love the, like a quote by Einstein where he says like, like ultimately we have a choice whether we look at the universe as a as a friendly place or a hostile environment mm -hmm. and that will be one of the most fundamental choices we make it seems like you're very much viewing the world as a as a friendlier place from when you started the process yeah definitely you know i think at the end of the day i don't know whether there's actually any objective proof because you know whatever we can measure is limited to our limitations and we have limitations that we don't even understand. Yeah. So doesn't does it matter really at the end of the day whether objectively I can um, prove that everything's connected, or if I were to believe that worldview, and that has certain positive effects on my life, does it really matter? So I think like I'm really taking that approach and just enjoying kind of the positive. Um, experiences that it's bringing to me cassie just from from all that we've been discussing you know you you started off talking about the sense of uh purpose initially then kind of uh or you know what is the question i'm asking what is my sense of purpose now making the observation that okay my purpose is changing uh, or it's evolving as i as i move through life but then also the shift you were saying from how you were experiencing the world a, a few years ago in terms of having this very clear divide between an internal and an external persona trying to control things not much kind of space in your life very very much productivity orientated a boot camp uh, side, side hustles a full-time job but then this fear like fear of the unknown and um, but then things have happened in your life where you've now shifted to almost embracing or welcoming the unknown mm -hmm. and you know using creativity lines of self-inquiry be it initially with therapy or coaching but then also meditation and various other forms of exploration and then even an engagement with 
nature and, and an exploration of that and an, an exploration almost of the the nature of things but then also this uh you know acknowledging that not all of this is is super easy and straightforward in terms of yes you've got all this freedom but be careful what you wish for sometimes that can also be hard to to get used to but then feeling ultimately feeling a sense of of trust in the world and mm. a a shift from almost pushing yourself and grinding yourself to more of a flow or a co-creation even between you know you and and the world itself as i have the habit cassie of towards the end of the these uh, conversations asking given all we've talked about what what is a good life for you cassie hmm i think a good life is a life where i i am living intentionally and intentionally taking responsibility for my choices and intentionally not just not doing harm but doing my best to bring some kind of positive change into the world i see around me and that doesn't necessarily mean you know like i don't know uh building a foundation or not it could just mean by living a certain way that shows the possibility of an alternative way of being that could be enough so i think intentionality and taking responsibility for oneself are still the top points um for me when it comes to a good life yeah, i love this sense though of um it doesn't necessarily having to mean to build a foundation but it could just sense be it could just be a, a bringing a different sense of being into the world mm. you know i think that there's such a rush to figuring out what we have to do to to change things and i i don't know even in listening to your story and 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 also the story similar stories as well that i've and the different people that i've interviewed i don't know there's there's some shift where as much as it can be structural change and certain things need to happen there is also this kind of very important shift i i think in terms of moving into more of a sense of of being which i i don't know i from listening to you and uh, over the course of this hour i i get a i get a very strong sense that that that, that shift is happening or that shift has happened for you uh, quite profoundly over the last few years yeah i would i would definitely say so <laughs> <laughs> Cassie, look, thank you so much for for taking the time to join me here on the What Is a Good Life podcast. I've really enjoyed hearing more about how your 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 worldview, your experiences, and and your sense of being in life is is evolving. I'm sure there's lots to take for from this for the people that are listening, and uh, I look forward to our future conversations as well. Thank you, Mark. It's always a pleasure.